hello everyone and welcome back welcome back this is joe aka joe the wellness curator and welcome back to the obsidian mindset podcast where we are redefining what wellness means to you i am so excited for this next interview it is with angel so angel is an occupational psychologist a millennial buddhist a startup advisor and a non-for-profit board member based in new york city and los angeles i met angel in of all places a clubhouse uh she co-hosts a clubhouse uh about intimacy and you know i went in and it was such a great conversation about intimacy and why we need it and and how to kind of go go through that journey of finding intimacy within right and I knew just from listening to her and having those conversations and the way she just held the space with my friend Arian, um, I just needed to have her on the podcast and have her and have y'all listen to her firsthand dropping those gems. We end up talking about divorce. We end up talking about consciousness and journey to self. And one of the things I enjoyed the most we spoke about was discussion of why quote unquote play is important and why finding what play means to you is equally as important. Um, so listen in, listen in, tap in. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to her and prepare yourself because she drops a whole bunch of gems. And per usual, feel free to hit me up at joe at obsidian.com. If you have any questions, you just want to talk the ish. Uh, and you can also reach out at me, reach out on IG at Joe, the wellness curator or Obsidian Mindset. All right, here's an interview with Angel. Enjoy. All right, all right, everyone. Thank you, thank you. I would like to first bring up, I'm excited to have this interview with Angel. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, and let's just jump right into it and let's talk about wellness and what that means to you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, so my first question to you is, uh, just tell me about your wellness story or journey in whatever way that rings true to you. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. I do have a question. Do you do you prefer Joe or Joseph? Uh, Joe. Joe. Okay. Yeah. Hi, Joe. <laughs> <Good to> know. <laughs> well, you know, I'll take either or, but Joseph feels like I'm in trouble. So I used to go with Joe. Okay. Okay. Joe, <laughs> I like that. Um, what does wellness mean to me? And also where did it start? How did it start? That's an interesting question. I actually just had that kind of like reflection um, last night because I'm in Santa Fe, New Mexico right now. And um I came to know this town through uh, a relationship, a former relationship. I was briefly married to someone in my mid twenties. And, and as I was like recalling, like all those times I've been to Santa Fe with my ex husband, I also remember that at that point in my life, I had no idea of who I was like so much so that I didn't even know what I wanted, what I desire for, what I needed, what my boundaries are. And I was living my life almost as if I was like a puppet. And there were my families and my cultures and my social circles and expectations for my gender, for my race and so on to kind of like tell me who I am. And I kind of lived my whole life in that way of like, okay, I wasn't able to speak 
on behalf of myself. So the easier way to go is just to let other people tell me who I am and let them decide what I'm going to do with my life. And it, and the only thing I kind of knew I had to do, to do was that I had to achieve. And um, by achievement, I would like, I mean, like, you know, for me growing up will be like achieving academically later on after school will be achieving professionally. And then also like, you know, having a family like the white picket fence stream. And I was doing all of that. I achieved all of those things. I was told that happiness would come after I succeed and I succeeded. I have a great resume. And I was like, I don't know who I am. I feel depressed and I don't know what's going on. It felt as if I was building a house on stilts and there was a tsunami or like a hurricane that came and just like completely demolished the house. And I, um, yeah, I, when I had that realization, I got a divorce and um, I started a journey of like diving into the study of consciousness. It started as a very nerdy pursuit. <laughs> I, I was in grad school. I was surrounded by people with similar interests. And a, a friend of mine asked me how I identified myself. Like, who do I think I was? And I was like, I am my thoughts. I was so sure about that. I really thought I, I could define myself through only my intellect, through only my cognitive abilities. And obviously I was wrong. And um, I went into just like reading a lot, like from an interdisciplinary approach of what consciousness was and realized that first of all, nobody had <laughs> a clear understanding or definition of what the mind is. And I thought that was interesting as an organizational psychologist, I really want to know what the mind is. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized people, they were, through across these different schools of thought um there are themes that emerged right like the um the lack of a, a solid self or the um constant flux uh how everything is in a flux all the time right nothing is permanent everything is changing moving all the time and stuff like that and then like i realized um Everybody who has something right to say about consciousness talks about meditation. And so I picked up mm -hmm. meditation to check out what it's about. Um, and so I began the journey of going to retreats, silent retreats in particular. And I think it was in like 2018 or 2019. No, no, definitely 2018. I may have gone to at least one retreat a month, maybe more or a course, it's either like a weekend retreat or like a longer five mm -hmm. to 10 days type of retreat. And I would just, I was like, okay, I'm here to receive whatever kind of meditation that's out there. I know that sitting down in silence is not the only way and I'm like here to explore. And so I did a whole bunch of like <laughs> random retreats of like different schools of like spirituality and eventually settled on Buddhism for its simplicity and practicality. And so since then I've been just focusing on the study of Buddhism and still am deeply in it and I'm committed, committed on this path of liberation. Love that, wow. Um, so I'm really curious about these retreats and although you, you chose and you're practicing Buddhism and, and 
kind of learning through that. What are some of the other retreats that you might have gone through and some lessons that you learned from some of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the most important things I learned and one of the earliest lessons I learned was the importance of the somatics of the body. Um, and especially because of what I said earlier, I identified myself so much with my thoughts, right? With my mm-hmm. brain, with how how fast I can think, how how intelligent of an argument I can come up with. And and um, I remember one of these, like it wasn't even like a long retreat. It was like a three-day thing where I would show up to like this like Buddhist center in New York and the teacher is like this like super joyful childlike person. And I was just like, why is he so happy all the time? <laughs> I was a little <laughs> skeptical, you know? And then I was like, he's not, also doesn't seem to be like totally smart, right? Like I had, I was putting myself on this pedestal. It was like, I'm an Ivy League educator. I'm taking PhD courses. Like, you know, tell me something I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I, would come, I was coming from that point. And, and then like this guy literally ended the three-day retreat by saying something like, you know, next, because a student asked, you know, how do you work through difficult emotions? Sometimes I feel really charged with anger, with frustration, and I like really just want to act out. How would you, like, how, how do you deal with these intense negative emotions? And the teacher says something like, next time when you feel angry, just check in with your shoulders and check in with your feet and see where they are. And I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Am I allowed to curse on this? Go for it. Go okay. for it. I was like, what is he talking about? I was like, how would this help? You know, and I was like, this is some bullshit. I just pay a few hundred bucks to listen to this guy asking me to like feel my shoulders, right? And then um, and you know, like little bit that I know that was one of those seeds that were was planted on my own path of um coming home to my body. And since then, I've been to a whole bunch of different kinds of retreats from like, um, oh, I also went through like courses of like doing MBSR training, reading books like The Body Keeps the Score, which the entire world references, and and understand, you know, both from the intellectual and from the lived experience perspective that um, body uh, is critical on this path of like healing and growth, um, becoming intimate and trusting of the intuition that my body has access to that my head otherwise does not. That's been super interesting. Another kind of like weird, is it weird? It's not that weird. Um, kind of retreat I went on is like a five day chanting retreat. I chanted for five days. One of the days I chanted for 24 hours straight. Um, like then sleep. Um, that was a pretty intense experience of like, at first, again, I was like, he's like, I was like, probably the only person in my 20s, everybody else is in their 70s. And I was like, wow, this is like, such a lit party of geriatrics, like, <laughs> all these 70 year olds are like, stoked and like high on life from day one just like chanting and dancing all night long and I'm like these people are crazy and um <laughs> you know and I only went because I was like I want to check out the retreat center I want to see yep. how it's like 
And then one of the, and then I was like, I'm here to go in, go all the way in. I'm not here to like just dip my toes in. So one day it was an optional thing where you can chant from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. And Oof. so I did that. And it was one very tiring and two was like just really allowing myself to like dissolve in mm. like the sonics, <laughs> like in music, um, letting myself to like just feel and move through um, whatever that was happening in that moment. And I, yeah, it was really healing experience as well. Um, those are a couple of things that I remember. Um, there are other ones too that I went on. They're not official retreats, like a guided, you know, mushroom trip, you know, things like that. And um, I've done that too. And those have its own effects and learning as well. Okay. Um, so one of the powerful things that you mentioned or metaphors is like the, you feel like you are a puppet, right? And, you know, mm. I've had a similar feeling of like being in the passenger seat of my car. Um, and I remember the feeling of moving to the driver's seat, right? Like being aware. Um, so I'm curious of what that feeling is. Cause when I think of puppet, I think of like a marionette and, mm -hmm. I also got the imagery of like someone cutting the strings and you kind of taking ownership of that. So what was that feeling? Mm. What did that, was it joyful? Was it a shock? Like, what did that feel to you? It was like all of that. It was all of that. It was like kind of like what I was saying earlier when, you know, we, you and I checked in. But I think one of the things that, um, one of the things I keep talking about on my own like social media is like the healing journey is not like just like, you know, positive vibes and double rainbow, <laughs> you know, of like mm. what the mainstream media that sells, right? With like yep. people in lululemon pants and like sipping <laughs> green tea by the, you know, Pacific Ocean. And it's like, wow, namaste right now. I'm like free of suffering. That's definitely not it. Yep. Um, so much of this journey for me is about like having this courage of the heart to meet with super challenging, such like emotional experiences. Um, one of the, I, I guess like, yeah, most memorable experiences I had was like the spontaneous like day, Thanksgiving day, 2019 maybe. Um, I was um, in the relationship with this man, this high power guy. And um, we were supposed to spend Thanksgiving with his family. And I had like, which I later, I, I found out it's not like a real panic attack, but I had some sort of like visceral, like physical reaction that day of like, just wasn't able to breathe. And all I could do was like, all I knew I needed, cause I was on my way out to meet him and his family. And I was like, I need to go home and I need to be in the safe container of my home. And I just need to crawl on the floor and cry. That's all I knew at that moment. And what followed was like four or five hours of like straight wailing. No idea what happened. There was nothing intense or serious that happened that led up to that day. Mm -hmm. I could not pinpoint what was happening. And, but I just had this like visceral response in my body that's like I'm breaking down I'm literally shaking everything down and I cried for like five hours and then I took a bath I took care of my body I like made myself a little bit of food I had to stay hydrated simple things 
And what I realized, like that was one of those episodes. And since then I've had different episodes like that. And I like, every time that happens, it, it becomes a little bit more clear about what the body is doing and less so like, oh, I'm out of control. And it was a whole process of just like surrender, allow, just like stay and like know that it's okay. Know that like these emotions are not scary. They just needed to be surfaced and bubbled up and like metabolized. That's literally my body digesting all of these years and all of these like different lifetimes of like embedded trauma, like sorrow, suffering and so on. You for that um so switch gears a little bit um i'm reading my biology's not my body is not an apology and one quote mm, that she me says you're reading it yes yes and yes, one, such one a good book it's such a good book and one of the Love first it. one of the things i want to discuss is uh she discusses or taylor discusses um intersections of identity right and she's saying mm-hmm. we all live in multiple intersections of identity so i just want to know like what are your what do you consider your different intersections of identity and how does that affect your wellness or plays into this world, which affects your wellness? Mm-hmm. I am a Chinese American immigrant um, who is also queer and my pronouns are she and they. I feel like that's kind of like if I were to like give the most basic um, introduction of myself, that would Mm -hmm. be it. Um, uh, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I moved to the US when I was 15 by myself. So that was an experience in and of itself of just being thrown into a foreign place. And that feeling of dislocation, was very consistent in most of my time in the US and very much applicable in this journey of healing as well, especially because as I find myself, like as I've talked about all these different kinds of retreats or courses I take and books I read and stuff like that, the faces I see don't look like me, especially in the West, right? Mm -hmm. They're mostly white teachers, older people, um, cishet, people and you know probably straight most of them that those are like the main voices I think like the people like the 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 voices that are most accessible to mainstream media fall under that category usually and then it wasn't until I think maybe like two years ago or so that I was like I'm sick and tired of showing up to these like dharma centers and it's just like full of white people Mm -hmm. and I want to learn from only BIPOC teachers and preferably QTPOC teachers. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, just like switched gears on like basically not signing up for courses taught by white teachers and wanting to learn from BIPOC teachers and wanting to be in communities with BIPOC people um, because of my own experience of like wanting to work through some of that like internalized racism, white supremacy in my own lifetime. And um, and that has been really helpful. Um, and also like I, you know, this journey has also helped me to like come to, come to be a little bit more intimate about my uh, other co- different kinds of identities. I guess mm. like, 
questions of like you know my identities I ask myself that all the time already just because like you know I'm interested in this stuff um but I think like to say it with um with this um certainty and like confidence and openness to receive whatever reaction or judgment one may cast because of these identity labels I have just named um, is definitely one of the byproduct of you know the journey of like coming home to myself um like like even like for example my family my biological family doesn't know that I'm queer but like I think everybody in my friend circle or I think if people follow me on social media, like I talk about that, like it's not something that I hide, but it's not something that I'm able to like talk about with my family yet because of the cultural gap. So like in addition to feeling the confidence and like feeling the clarity, seeing the clarity of my own identities, um, I guess like the journey itself has also helped me to um, find a language to talk about it but only like in my new environment not in the environments of where I came from so that's something I'm so like curious about in my own path of like is that something that I will do like to have a conversation with my family about stuff like this because um, it's so very much stigmatized to you know yeah. there's homophobia is real um, it's illegal in some places in the world so Literally. I mean, it, to be gay and, you know, lesbian. And so, yeah, so that's kind of like a comma on my own thing. It's not a period yet. It's that. a mix. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious mm-hmm. as to, you discuss kind of switching gears of like who taught you. So going from like the white cis um, uh, teachers to look specifically looking for queer and trans BIPOC uh, teachers and influences. So what did you notice when you made that shift uh, either within yourself or how you're being taught? Mm. I felt one it's because what, what, what I also want to say, I went in there with an intention and with a purpose, right? Like yes. the shift of like looking for different communities and teachers. And so I say that because like that will prime my experience in a certain way. Very true. Um, so I'm not saying that like, oh, it's all about, um, mm-hmm. basically it's an interaction um, of me and like the reality or the environments I, I live in. And I don't, yeah, I, I feel like I've learned a lot and I've gotten a lot of like, um, I've gotten a lot of care and um, support from teachers of all backgrounds mm. um, and the Dharma spaces that are white dominant, I still got a lot from, I still feel like you know each time or pre-COVID showing up to these places in person so made me feel like a safe place to be in um what I was missing or what I was kind of like there's like this like little thread of like loneliness of like are there people who can actually like relate to me in this room right now um because again, like I'm usually in spaces where they're like 60 or 70 year old mm-hmm. white people. And 
you know, here I am a 20 something year old Asian person <laughs> in the room, right? And, and I think like when I shifted over to like BIPOC um, focus or BIPOC center spaces, I no longer feel like I was an outsider. Like something about the physical representation was enough to make me feel held. Mm. And um, it was, I don't have, no longer have to do like the whole explanation of like, I'm not from this country. I don't get your 90s cultural references. And yes, I speak English like this because I studied really hard. So I wouldn't get bullied to have an accent, mm. like things like that. I don't, I don't want to have to explain stuff like that anymore. Um, and so, yeah. And like, like, like there's this, like, I feel like I'm not saying all marginalized identities have the same experience, but I'm saying that like the experience of being marginalized create a certain like baseline of understanding among the people in that community. And, um, and I have been lucky to have been met by people who are ready to show up with compassion and kindness. And so I have been, yeah, I've felt like really held and safe in BIPOC spaces. I love that. Um, so kind of switching gears, but not really. Uh, what, what would you consider to be an equitable society? What does mm. that mean to you? What would I consider to be an equitable society? Mm. What would that consist of? You know, the, the first thing I think of is like, there are these conversations that I've had with friends, some friends who are like pretty like dogmatic in how they view the role of hierarchy. Mm -hmm. um, of like, you know, the, the type of like pyramid structure of a society is human nature. You know, mm -hmm. that's how we rank. We see, we see, let's say body strength, right? Like I'm sure you're taller and bigger than I am. And like, you know, in, in that sense, like you are stronger than me. And somehow because of that, I may be less than you and so on. And that serves a very like um, basic like human need and mm -hmm. I'm not saying basic as in like basic bitch but I'm saying like, <laughs> like, as in foundational yeah. Yeah, foundation. yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard of that argument and I see the importance of that and um, that's not my idea mm. of an ideal um, the equitable society that comes to my mind um is a plane of limitless possibilities that is mm. not governed by the shape of a triangle rather than shapes of circles that may overlap or not in all sorts of different areas from back left right center up top up bottom whatever and um and that it is a place this sounds like utopia I'm gonna say it anyway. It is a place that people can be the fullest expressions of themselves um, as long as it does not cause harm onto themselves or other people. So it's about the complete liberation of the heart and mind and the complete cessation of suffering. 
that's what equitable society is to me. Yes, I love that. And just to dig a little deeper, how do you feel like you're living that on a daily basis? Mm. Yeah. Um. Or encouraging that. This has been, um, it really is a daily practice that begins with the self. And I'm definitely not there. <laughs> I'm not living, like my ideal would be like living like a monastic life mm -hmm. and um, dedicated my attention, which is, which I see as my most important resource as a human being. Um, to the practice, to the actual action, speech, livelihood um, of, of, you know, creating this equitable society. And so while I am right now, I'm still very much, I feel like I'm very much caught in this matrix um, <laughs> of like being like corporate consumerism. Um, yes. I, I try my best. And I also like hear so often voices of like judgment of like, maybe I'm not meditating enough. Like today I didn't work out yet. I didn't meditate. And I'm like, there goes another day of like falling behind on this thing. And I'm like, no, I'm not here to grade myself. You know, yes. like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here to like, I, I'm going through some shit in my life. I'm, there, there, there are stressors and and it's okay. It's okay to like really like to take a day off sometimes. And mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I also feel really uh, grateful that this is not a journey done alone. Although yeah. this is a journey that centers of the self, the priorities of my needs and desires and boundaries and so on. It is a journey that's done with the community and for me right now, I'm like, I have three other friends who are sharing this house together and feeling really held, feeling really supported, feeling like I know that like, you know, if I go downstairs and say, I need help with something, can you please like, you know, talk, like listen to me talk. Like, I know that there will be ears that are ready. And so um, it's both, it's yeah. both coming from the self and also work that's not done alone. I love that. Ah, dropping gems. <laughs> I, I am glad that I'm delivering. <laughs> um, so by two more questions, but last, the question I want to know is what are some tools that you have used during your, your wellness journey um, that you want to share with uh, the folks that are listening? Some tools. Yeah. Um, tools in your toolbox. So many tools. Um, Having a consistent routine in the morning really helps mm. um, starting the day right. And so the tools can look like waking up and maybe try to be a little bit excited about waking up because waking up every single day is kind of a surprise. If you really think of it, how do we know when we go to bed every single night that we'll wake up next day? We only know from like this whole like lifetime conditioning that we've been waking up every day, yep. but we also do not know what will happen. Right. And so that's from my own practice of like death contemplation from Buddhist 
Buddhism stuff. But anyway, <laughs> you practice things from That's a little quick up check in and be like, hi, I'm here again. What can I, how can I be kind today? <laughs> and um, sometimes I, it's not to say that I don't, sometimes I do wake up in a shitty mood and be like, oh, okay, I feel shitty today. How can I take care of myself? That's mm-hmm. fine too, you know? Um, and and then I do a, on a great day, on the day where I prefer, where I like have no work obligation. This is such a great fantasy. It's just talking about it makes me feel like aroused. It's a day that it. begins with like, <laughs> begins with like plenty of hydration, um, like meditation, sitting for like 30, 45 minutes, um, journaling for another half an hour or so. And then movement, usually for me, is like yoga or sometimes if I feel like I need to like move more vigorously, I would like, I don't know, do some actual workout. But yoga for me is more like a mind practice than a body practice um, for like another hour and a half or two hours. Um, and so those are important tools. And it's not too about doing it once, once every now and then. It's about keeping up that practice, that dedication of showing up every single day. Because over time, it becomes a way for me to like, for my body to know that I'm showing up for me. Yes. Like literally, like, I've got you to my own body and saying that to myself every day. Um, other tools, I always like, people always ask me about book recommendation. Um, and I really have gotten a lot from the writings of Alan Watts. Um, the book, a very meta title, The Book by Alan Watts is a really good um, kind of like entry. Um, and then there are tons of other people who talk about like, you know, Eckhart Tolle and stuff like that. And I don't need to say that they already got enough press. Um, and so yeah, tons of spiritual books out there. I think those are good. Um, helpful aid and over time I realized as I read more and more I just feel like they're just repeating each other and so mm. I kind of stopped re- uh, reading and now I'm more about experiential stuff okay um and what are the other tools yeah like movement and sounds very helpful um and like I can't say that for everybody but like find I feel like it's super important for people to find a way that they like to play and play is so important and like I forget about play all the time I'm one of these crazy people who like you know work in New York and just like work too much and Mm -hmm. always misidentify myself on my level of productivity right and like yeah the other day my friend was here and like she's like you know what do you want to dance I was like yes and then like we were literally in the backyard dancing and we're laughing at our feelings we're crying at our feelings we're like moving in all sorts of like weird ways to imagine if there's a massage ball in our body and having to move through it and that was so silly and fun and like that totally shook me out of this funk that I was in for a little bit and yeah that was play and I'm like yeah and I remember like when I was living in New York like I had a ton of, I have like all these like different random small like musical instruments for me to play in. I know to play none of them. And they're all just about making noises, you know? And like, <laughs> so I'm like, that's my way to play. Or like, you know, I just like do silly movements. I just posted a picture of me sitting on the couch, but not really sitting. Apparently I sit on the couch in the starfish like 
<laughs> What's that? What is that? <laughs> I literally what? just spread out my legs and my arms <laughs> across the couch. And, <laughs> and like, you know, like doing things like that, like let yourself be a little silly. I love um, that. That's, I, re- I really enjoy that part. And also, obviously, it's not exhaustive. Oh, oh, one more thing, though. I really miss. I really haven't been doing enough. Um, not that, again, I'm not comparing myself again, but I, I really do miss and I want to create that container for myself again, which is to spend dedicated time in silence, mm. um, in absolute silence of of just talking and, and then realizing how much talking is already done <laughs> by myself alone in my head. That's real. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I don't know the whole starfish thing that just or between the starfish and then you <laughs> dancing outside it just brought me joy just seeing you and hearing you talk about it so i can yeah. definitely tell joy is very important very very important yes uh, prioritize that yes all right so last question so obsidian mindset we always have something called deep dive questions so i have a list of questions and the mm-hmm. first one is very chill. And then we get a little deeper. So we have between the number one and 25, you get to pick what number and I'll ask you the questions. Wait, is it like a, is there like a time limit to which I can answer? Like, oh, no, no, no. You're good. Does you're... it get harder than this? No. Does it get harder? <laughs> How no. hard does it get? So the first because one's I chill. Like the challenge. <laughs> I mean, I can time you if you want. Give me more restrictions. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just I mean, I, we tried structure and it shut down the whole system. So no more structure. You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Just pick a number from one to 25, you said? Yeah. Okay. And I'll find a question for you. 25. Ooh. Okay. Here we are. I wish we had, we're going to maybe have music. Do, 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 do. Okay. 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 Um, what does vulnerability look like to you? I mm, love that. Oh my God. Vulnerability is like one of my favorite qualities. I was like perfect time. Literally is like, that is like my, like I literally, I remember one time I was like dating this guy and he, Hey, there was the conversation of him like totally dissolving vulnerability. And I literally got wet. I was like, wow, this is like <laughs> so arousing to me. <laughs> this is like so arousing more. <laughs> Give me anyway. more now. What is my, it really feels like an open heartedness. It really feels like, and I, when I say open heartedness, it can sound like, you know, just like a spiritual term of, of how it's like, but for me, it's a physical state of opening up the actual chests. And that's why like these open hearted poses in yoga are so important because they're literally giving me space in my body to practice that vulnerability to move in these spaces that usually does not get light or air and um vulnerability is um knowing and trusting um and acting on love without fear and it's also from both you know within the self and also with others so good um so the deeper question ready (laughs) Um, how have you expressed that today? Oh, how have I expressed that today? Um, oh, actually this morning, I started the morning with mapping, like doing kind of like a mind map of my life Mm -hmm. of this year. 
Um, I mean, we're already in like spring, but I, I usually do some sort of like annual review or setting intention situation. Right now I'm in the phase of like meeting with a lot of big transitions in my life. And so I felt at once like so open with any possibility that can happen in my life. And also like a little bit like disoriented by so many different kinds of possibilities. Um, and so I actually just wrote this thing where I, um, yeah, I wrote down like, you know, how will my relationships look like? How will I prioritize me? How will my work look like? Given that all coming from the central like vision or motivation of awakening. And so being vulnerable with myself about, you know, what I want and what I don't want and writing that down. And like, this is, I'm gonna share that with some of my friends to like, you know, get get feedback and that will be another, you know, test of vulnerability too. Yes, everyday practice. Once again, everyday practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I appreciate that you asked me that question though. Um, no so like kind of remind me on these like small wins, which I didn't really, I, I totally forgot. That was like, you know, eight hours ago I did that, so. No problem. Um, I think with that, this has been an amazing experience. Uh, is there any like tips or affirmations or anything you want to share with the folks listening um, before we wrap up? This is, um, this is the vision that I have for my own life. And, and the vision, I'm not saying like an actual like uh, vision, but more like a company's vision and mission statement. <laughs> So my, and you know, like for, from an org site perspective, vision statements are usually like super audacious mm-hmm. goals that are, you know, sometimes like not attainable, mm-hmm. but for me, I'd like to believe that it is attainable, but I know it's like, it's a reach. It's a reach. Um, definitely. But it is the awakening of all beings begins with me. And that's true for all the me's out there. And not just for me, like sometimes when I say it to people, they may think, wow, Angel is such an egomaniac, right? To say that, (laughs) but it's to really trust that when I heal, I heal everyone around me. And same thing for you, Joe, same thing for our neighbors, same thing for the person who's at the checkout at Trader Joe's. Yeah. Man, that was, thank you, Ashe, that, Mm. I knew that, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Angel, for being on with me. Um, having this conversation it was much needed. It was the perfect on-time conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will uh, thank you for picking you today as well. And thank you for being here with us. Mm, I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right. And with that, we'll wrap up and have a great day. Mm-hmm.